This is exactly right. What's up, Las Vegas? Yes. What the fuck? Yes. Hi. Shit. Oh, my God. When was the last time this conference room had this many screaming people in it? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Last night, I'm much louder than Georgia. Much louder. (laughs) Um, Am I? Yes. Okay. What? Yes. I thought, I thought I was way louder than oh, I just thought you meant in life. Are you louder than me? <laughs> no, that's a yes. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it was super loud in here last night. They were selling timeshares, and it was fucking nuts. It was like, they were the good ones. We bought them. Yeah. A couple of them. We bought a couple timeshares. Oh, my God. You this guys, is- how's it going? This is so exciting. This is our first show of 2018. Yeah. And nothing will live up to it. (laughs) The screaming was incredible. And it's it's in a fully carpeted conference room. Uh So it's more of an accomplishment (laughs) what you guys are doing. Making sound come out of basically a, a large, one of those like big cat apartment buildings. Yeah. But for people. Those people in the hallway are so confused as to what's going on in here. They're like, are that, is this a Mormon thing? What's happening? <laughs> you guys, this is the best buffet. It's $1.99. <laughs> it's all waffles. Uh, I think someone told the Red Rock Casino that Beyonce was coming because we accidentally got... <laughs> The, it's not even a hotel room. It's the nice... I've never in my life... I think we own this casino now. <laughs> yeah. The rooms that we're in... What the fuck? Karen, we're walking down the hallway. We check in. first. Yeah, and then Karen is the first one to go to her room. And we keep... Vince and I keep walking still. And then she peeks her head out and goes, What the fuck? <laughs> I thought it was mirrors. When I looked, I swear to God, I like looked and I'm like, cute mirrors. And then I was like, oh my God, it's a whole room. It's like marble, mirrors. It'd be like a, an Egyptian pharaoh's dream come true yeah. in here. It was nuts. So, can we talk about the important thing? The sure. bathrooms. Let me oh. tell you about oh. the bathrooms. <laughs> yes. Uh, one room, it's one suite, two bedrooms. Four Four bathrooms. bathrooms. Four bathrooms. Two bathtubs. Per. Per. Heated toilet seats in every bathroom. (laughs) Hot. Hot toilet seats. Hot toilet seats? Hot ones. Yes, I am easily uh, impressed. Well, and I mean, I'm I'm telling you, America needs to catch up on bidets. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, hold on. The girls in the front row are all saying hi. You're like fucking five minutes late and screaming hi to each other, not to us. It's like, what the fuck is happening? Anyhow, bidets, you guys, 
are insane. What the fuck? And then, uh, it's I, like a robot washing your ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I, I call, I FaceTime with my seven year old nephew to be like, he'll be interested in this because he thinks I'm boring. Maybe he'll think I'm cool. And so I showed him around the place and, and all the incredible things. And oh, and that the toilet, when you walk up to it, it opens on its own. Yeah. I'm like, this is like a fucking robot. This is so cool. I actually pulled it open and it shut itself. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It scared the shit out of me. I was like, the toilet won't let me have it. <laughs> it's like when you try to uh, pump your own gas in certain places and you get like fined for it. Yeah. Like, but I want to take care of myself like I always have. Oregon says no. No. <laughs> Can't do it. My nephew said, that's nice, look at my house, and then he showed me the Minecraft game he was playing. <laughs> he could not have given less of shit. That little asshole. Yeah. Well, I uh, showed my sister, I, I sent her a bunch of pictures because that's her favorite thing. She likes it when we're in one normal hotel room with a nice bed and maybe a chair or a plant or something. That's exciting enough for her. And I just took this like five minute video where I was like, in your face, you'll never see art like this again. A pool table, you stupid shit. It got really violent, um, but fun. But then I, then they, the, the doorbell rings and it's the butler. I'm not joking. Wait, what? Are you guys mad? You don't get a butler? I get a butler. <laughs> I got a butler. His name is John, and he'll bring me anything I want. Yeah. And he's here tonight. Get up here, you motherfucker. No, um, no, he's working for all the other high rollers and inveterate gamblers that are in this building right now. I don't think he works for the hotel. <laughs> I think you just answered the door to us. I didn't get a butler. That's so sexy. <laughs> If you're going to try to creep into my room, yeah. please pretend to be a butler. It will work. <laughs> Is he in your room right now? Is he waiting? Yeah, he you? just sits there. Okay. No. Um, can we get no, security? He basically showed me how to turn on the TVs. What? Uh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Someone's getting fired, and it's Vince for not <laughs> fucking getting the butler to come. If, and then here's Vince on the phone. I'm telling you, if, this can't, if they both don't get butlers, they will cancel the show. A podcast, a live podcast. I know you've never heard of it. Listen. Yeah, other two people, ladies. Have people you like it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> podcast divas. That's who we are. Uh, I, um, oh, oh God, I forgot. There's giant pictures of us. What? On the side there. Look. No. That's a bummer, huh? <laughs> no. Can I tell you, the special guest tonight is the biggest zit I've ever had in my <laughs> fucking life. But your hometown murder. <laughs> I'm going to hold the mic right here the yep. entire night. That's like how you the, do it. I, if, you, if there was a close-up, it would look like Eileen Warnos in that crazy <laughs> photo. Like, that's my fucking zit. <clears throat> What's your problem? What do you have going on? Are you the house photographer or are you someone's mom? <laughs> okay, uh, all right. Yay! She's just cute. <laughs> She's just a sweet person. <laughs> that could have been a camera knife. Of course, the late people did nothing to help us. <laughs> um, tell them about your foot. Oh, I sprained my ankle, everybody. Oh, 
regular people like stuff like that. That made me sick to my stomach. Um, <laughs> thank you. I, I just, you know what? I'm not wearing a brace. Normally I have like a little bit of a, you know, just from CVS, a brace. And I kind of just walk like I'm considering things, you know? <laughs> just kind of like, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I see. I saw when you got here. <laughs> Uh, it's actually perfect for me because, like, this week in therapy, we talked about me calming down with my impatience and need to go everywhere all the time immediately and freak the fuck out over everything, including in the airport, especially in the airport. So, like, I have to slow down, otherwise I'm an asshole. Uh, just like, feeling and, like, fucking speed walking away. And I'm back there, go ahead, that's fine. <laughs> it's that's perfect fine. timing. I'll get my butler to pick me up. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Oh, she got me on that one. Uh, Steven's not here. Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. You don't even really like him that yes. much. Don't fucking make it up. Now that sound I like. <laughs> can't explain it. Uh, <laughs> he can't come on the road all the time. Yeah, he has my cats to watch. Yes. He has like 17 jobs that he can't... I mean, do you know how many emails you people send him? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Do you know what I was wondering? It. Do you think he... Like, when he goes to my house, when we're gone, puts his mask mustache on every single, like, thing. <laughs> like, touches the remote control with his mustache. Touches all the doorknobs with his mustache. Just be like, my mustache was here. Just a peek inside George's mind. <laughs> it sounds like what you need to do is set up a mustache nanny cam. <laughs> and catch that motherfucker in the act. I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. His DNA is all over my house then. That's right. Mustache DNA? What if it's a fake mustache? I know it's this a fake mustache. He's, he's doing it for attention. <laughs> Even that mustache. Now I have to stand like a horse because I have a sprained ankle. Did anyone else notice this? Oh, it looks Just casual. Realize. I'm a little Clydesdale-y anyway, so <laughs> I'm fine with it. But. Don't look at these screens, okay? Just look over here. <laughs> Pretend those don't exist. Uh, I lived through the 90s. Look at me. <laughs> I lived. I lived. I don't like it. I lived. Um, well, this is my favorite murder of the podcast. Oh, yeah. That's Karen Kilgareth. Hi. And that's your friend Georgia Hardstark right there. Thanks. And I have pockets. Oh, my God. Welcome around. Yes, yes, yes. This really sweet girl who makes dresses in L.A. named April just keeps fucking giving me her dresses. Yeah, she's and smart. Like, uh-huh. That's, that's how you do business in L.A. Yeah. You just put the thing in the person's hand, and then you're like, put this on sometime. <laughs> um, oh, thank you, yes. Mine's from Target. <laughs> thank you. Twenty nine and if any dress in the world should have pockets, it's this one, because it's practically a jumper. <laughs> it's very childlike, and I keep, it has the 70s, you know, rank zip pull. Oh, that goes all the way to your belly button, can, doesn't I it? I can do what I want right now. <laughs> we could go a total after-hours club style in here. I feel like... Right, Vegas? You're up for that all the time. All the time. Then it starts raining from the ceiling. What the oh, fuck? Vegas doesn't have rules, right? No. That's the whole thing. Yeah. 
no rules. When was the last time you were here? You were here when you saw Magic Mike. Oh, uh, yeah, Island. girl. I won't talk about the other casino that shows up, but mm. oh, man, if you Oops. get a chance to watch it, it's the most romantic strip show <laughs> you'll ever see. So uh, much talent. What if we had told Stephen he could come, but he had to learn a Magic Mike like, chore- choreograph thing? And then he just went like this for half an hour. <laughs> With his hat. <laughs> no, we love him. We love him. My cats tolerate him. I swear, there's a bit that he put like a, what do they call, what do the kids call them, Insta story? Insta story, for of, sure. Of him yelling, Elvis, 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 at my cat. Well, I swear to God, my cat, Elvis is just like walking by him, like <laughs> disdain in a cat's walk. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? It's magical. <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. <laughs> oh, I would like to quickly apologize for my hair. Um, <laughs> what's happening can't be explained except for that. I think you guys had a weather system come in <laughs> while I was trying to straighten it real nice. And then other things started happening, and it was just like, it just kept kind of like getting going out. It was like a Tesla coil situation. <laughs> The ecstasy just hit, and he was like, I'm going to say this in a normal voice. It won't be that loud at all. It won't be jarring at all. It'll be smooth and cool. It's what she wants to hear while she's talking. Thank you. Thank you for your compliment. This is a true crime comedy and hair tutorial podcast. (laughs) It uh, doesn't look great. It, um, <laughs> it looks like uh, the first time I used a curling iron when I was 13 and my sister wouldn't show me how to use it. <laughs> so I kept turning it the wrong direction and it would do like the kink and then fall. And I kept, but see, I brought a travel straightener. Oh no. So the actual like ironing, like the face of the straightening iron is the size of like a coffee stirrer. So I'm like trying to, and I'm like just bending my hair to the left and right is what I did. I just like went in. It's no, it's, it's going to get good. I went in. Anyway, when I opened the door, George went, hi. And that's when you know you have bad hair is when your friends greet you in a way that they never have before. Hi, I'm so glad to see your hair. I have I have no comment. No, I love it. It's <laughs> it no, isn't it's what great. I want. But it's good. It's very like um you look like Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Fuck yeah. Boom, boom, but like boom. in the Zool part. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the good part. Yeah, not when she was some dumb working lady. <laughs> Boring. No. There is no Karen, only Zool. Only Zool. <laughs> um before... I'm the gatekeeper. <laughs> You're the key master. I'm the key master. You're the key master. Key master. Okay. Got it. Um, before we sit down yes. and tell you about murder, we have a photo to show you guys. Oh, yeah. There's something exciting that happened today. You may have seen it on your TVs, but we had Stephen put together. Can you put that first picture I up? I have it. Some... Look. Oh, are you in charge? Yes. Uh, you truly are wait. the gatekeeper. Did you see? Did you see what happened t- today? 
<laughs> you guys, it's all about us, always. <laughs> Insane. Um, you know yeah. the best. I mean, Stephen. Stephen pulled pictures where people were holding up signs of shit that we've said, which is very self-serving. But there were tons of amazing ones. Yeah. My favorite is just this lady that was holding a sign that said "TikTok motherfucker." <laughs> Come on. That's I'll take good. a moment to say, and I think this is important to be clarified that there is a world of difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I don't want, you know, when people see that sign, I had a, an, a friend of mine <laughs> who let me know that he was very upset about what? toxic masculinity. And he was <laughs> kind of going on about it, uh, how, how accused he felt and all that. And I was like, you do realize I was, uh, I used that to describe John Wayne Gacy's dad, right? <laughs> It was a very specific reference. You're not talking about fucking comedians who are graphic artists during the day, whatever he was. You're talking about John Wayne Gacy's dad. Yes, exactly. This isn't just like someone who's rude to you in the cafe. He made a serial killer with his fucking hands and beer. Um, but we're, we're really stoked. We couldn't be marching today because we had to fly here, which is awesome. But so it was really cool to see all that. And yay. Yes, it was very exciting. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. 
I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Should we sit down and talk about murder? Do you want to? I'd love to. <laughs> Look at these. Vegas. Nice. Horrible things have happened on this oh, chair. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You can't see the stains I can see. Oh, no. Stop us. Well, after tonight, oh. they're going to burn them. <clears throat> after we get through. Is this you? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's mine. Um, these are yours. Mm-hmm. This is. Oh, do you want to put a, t- a piece of tape down the center of the table? <laughs> this Get is your mine. Fucking thing away well, from me. Well, then that's mine. <laughs> Someone, uh, a really sweet girl, saw us on the plane when we were boarding, and she goes, "Oh, you guys travel together." <laughs> as if we, what if we fucking hated each other? Like we don't travel together. <laughs> right as we come around the corner, I'm like, "Well, you can just shut your fucking." Mouth. Oh, hi. Hi, sisterhood. <laughs> she made me walk three pace, like three people ahead of her. <laughs> Wouldn't speak to me. When we arrived at the hotel, there was somebody that was going to come to the show that was also outside. She was the girl on the plane. Same girl? Same girl. Doubled up. Just got weird. Sorry. <laughs> no. Well, um, you were talking on the phone because... You- I just wanted to explain to her. Yeah. I would have said hi, but I was on the horn like a Hollywood big shot, except for I was talking to my neighbor. <laughs> you, you can't yell at me. <laughs> Why didn't you learn from this man? Um, I mean, her, right? I know. Um, my dog, George... Uh, when I leave my house, when I take my suitcase with me, she knows I'm leaving for several days. And that's when she decides to climb the fence. <laughs> like she's in a Tough mutter competition. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My side fence is eight feet tall. She's a fucking, what, a lab? She's a lab hound. She's like a combo. So she's not like a little dog climbing up the fence. She's like fucking arm over arm. Up she, the she had fence. a big backpack on. Yeah. Threw that over the fence. Threw her skateboard over the fence. <laughs> fucking fucking jump the fence. Carabiners. Yeah. Um, Out of here. But the reason I knew, because I rebuilt. This is kind of interesting. I rebuilt <laughs> the other fence on the other side of my house because I thought she was getting out of that fence, had the whole thing rebuilt. Turns out she's going on out the other fence that's eight feet tall. Jesus. And I was like, there's no way it's this fence. And my neighbor, Rick, uh, thank God, is a contractor. And he and I, are, I was like, do I need to fix this fence or that fence? He goes, it's got to be the other fence. Well, then he's standing in his driveway. No. And he sees George <laughs> come up over the fence, flip herself into the hedge, roll down and walk away. He witnessed it himself. 
couldn't do that. I couldn't either. I've been locked out of my house. I just leave. (laughs) I can't, I can't get in. No. And that's like an extra, what, three inches or three feet for us? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We're much taller than her. (laughs) (laughs) But so when Rick saw her do that, he came over and he goes, I've got a thing. I'm going to, I'll fix it for you. You don't have to rebuild a second fence. So he came over and leaned this piece of taller fence, but it was like from a, a work site or whatever. He leaned it up and then he put some cement on it. Well, today while I was on the phone, it was my other neighbor. She got out again. She fucking double climbed like she's trying to get into the fucking FBI. <laughs> she double climbed and got Amazing. out. Amazing. Amazing. She's it, supposed to be a service dog, she's, I think. <laughs> she's, either that or my dog sitter is beating her with a chain <laughs> while I'm gone. I feel so No, bad. it's funny. <laughs> She's, she would never do that. She's, she likes dogs more than people. I feel bad for Frank, your other dog, who's left behind because she's like tiny. That's she's right. just like, well, fuck. Yep. Frank couldn't get over anything because his legs are this tall. But you know, he was like scrabbling after trying to be like, I get, I'll come next. George is like, come on after me. And Frank's like, I got it. Like, no. Can you open the side gate for me? <laughs> oh. Wait, sorry. I just had a recovered memory. <laughs> okay. It's one of my favorite things I've ever witnessed. Okay. I was at a party in San Francisco in the 90s. <laughs> Represent... And um, <laughs> it was this big, weird house party. We didn't know the people whose house it was, so we were just like in the backyard. Crazy? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just I saw a look pass you? through your eyes. Oh, was... I was looking to think, I was just wondering how close up that fucking camera was. Right <laughs> I was trying to look past your head to be like, how horrible. Just, just, I'm like Charlie Brown's teacher right now. You're just not hearing a word I'm saying. <laughs> So we're standing. No, no. We're standing in the backyard of this huge Victorian house, this huge house party with kegs everywhere, right? And we're standing right next to the fence, and it's this is like a 12 foot fence, wooden fence, um, and. At one point, like, we're all just standing around like, this is a weird party, we don't know anyone, should we leave? And then someone runs out onto the back porch and goes, the cops are here! (laughs) And a bunch of people, like, run, and these two girls that were standing right next to us, like, throw their drinks and jump and fucking... Like, throw themselves up over this fence. Like, they, they jump, they grab it, they pull themselves, and they scribble-scrabble with their legs and their feet, and they push themselves over. You hear one land. It's like sidewalk on the other side. You hear the other one land, and then this dude, of course, classically walks up. Oh, no. Baked out of his mind, and he walks up, and there's a fucking latch. He just opens. Oh, Classic. That guy is still talking about that story. That was his, like, best moment of his life. Which is fair. If you're that guy and you can hear me right now, please call me. (laughs) I would love to laugh about that again. I've told people that story so many times that people are always like, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, you don't understand how hilarious it is. You're dressed up for a party. It'd be me like this, like, yeah, so anyway. And you're, like, trying to be cute at a party. And then you just fucking throw yourself over a fence. Like, did they have warrants out for their arrest or something? It would have been great if then he opened the fence and on the other side, they're getting arrested. The girls are getting arrested by the cops. 
cops, too, like, hauled away. And there's just pounds of cocaine at their feet. Yeah. Why would you bring that much cocaine? Yeah. Just a little bit. Well, then it would be even more impressive that they hauled the cocaine over the fence along with their entire bodies. That's Anyways, right. listen, we could keep doing this for fucking I would love to. All day. I want to. Just speculate about these two girls. Are you first? I am first. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, Wait, hold on. Don't take that photo yet. I'm blowing my nose. Oh. No, no, not yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> same lady? Yeah. Same? Yeah. Because we're, it's the same spot. We're like, nothing's changed. <laughs> Giving the thumbs up doesn't matter. <laughs> Mm. But did you see fucking our, our awesome security guard over oh, here? Yeah. Being like, Come Don't at be me. afraid to tackle her next time. She wants you to. She fucking moseyed over like, I got this no matter what happens. That was awesome. What if my butler came and attacked you? <laughs> I would definitely come back here. There is no butler. <laughs> you guys, how do we tell her there's no butler? Well, there hasn't been a butler around here for 25 years. I don't know what that accent is anymore. Thank you. What's the best about that is 25 years ago, it would have been like 1990. Why are they talking <laughs> like that? In the great Butler murder rampage of 1990, I don't know, what was it, three? <laughs> okay, go. So, here's a thing that I think both of us have started doing. Especially when we're on the road, because we have to write, it's like book report race, where we have to write like six murders. The Great Book Report is our new TV show that we're pitching, and nobody nobody likes it. Nobody wants to watch it. Everyone's super stressed out about it. It's just us in our hotel rooms in our fucking robes, typing, and Vince going, are you done with your story yet? I need your story. Yeah. And meanwhile, in the background, for some reason, the beginning of 60 Minutes is playing. (laughs) That's how I always knew that my book, like, I had to finish that book report. Yeah. Sunday night, 7.30. Oh, yeah. You better finish your fucking homework okay so in the middle of the murder I had I was like wait a second I want to do Siegfried and Roy oh they weren't murder (laughs) (laughs) that's why I was like oh are you changing the rules of this podcast I seriously thought I was such a fucking genius for like four minutes I was like I'm gonna fucking I can't imagine when I say I'm doing Siegfried and Roy what they're gonna say it's good. I'm, you know. It was, he was, I, it was, uh, hold on. It was oh, you Roy. Did? No, I didn't. I just wrote down a couple factoids. Okay. Roy was bitten on the neck Oy. by Montecor, oh. the white tiger. Monty. And as he was being pulled away uh-uh. and taken to the University Medical Center, uh-uh. uh, right? Local references. Gets him every time. I think they all work there. <laughs> the whole hospital's empty right now? <laughs> Shit. Let's go rob the hospital. <laughs> rob a hospital. <laughs> Just pills and then those weird water pitchers with the matching cup. I'd take like four of those. I don't know why. Um, okay. As Roy was getting loaded into the emergency room, the tiger bit his neck. No. Wait. Neck. Again? No, I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I was like, why didn't they get the tiger away from him? Bit his neck. Roy said, down, down, tiger. Okay. Oh, he did? No. What is wrong with me? No. Oh, I fall for everything because I stand for everything. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? I think that's the saying, yeah. Okay. 
I just wanted to get this great quote out okay, that sorry. I found on Wikipedia. Okay. Because Roy said to everybody as he was being wheeled away, Montecor is a great cat. Make sure no harm comes to Montecor. He bit him in the fucking neck. Well, I think Roy was like, yeah, we've been waiting for this. <laughs> it's not the fucking cat's fault. Okay. They, everybody lived and they retired seven years later. It was not that big of a deal. Including the tiger lived? The tiger lived oh, too. Oh, good. Okay. No harm came to Montico. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Those are going to be my last words. I hope I remember. It's going to be so funny. <laughs> you better be there so I can be like, what was that thing I was going to say? Uh, something about Montagues. Noah! And that's how I die. No, Georgia! Uh, uh. <laughs> and then I'll think, that's what she really wanted. It's just I know what she wants. I knew how she really wanted to go. I knew her better than she knew herself. Uh, sadly true. Um, so actually, I'm going to do, for real, the murder of Gerard Souls, the Poodle King. What? There's a Poodle King? There is a Poodle King. And he worked right here in this great city of Las Vegas at the gorgeous and historic Circus to Circus Casino. <laughs> yeah. Been there. Have you been there? I have been on mushrooms there. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Don't do it. <laughs> it was a bad idea. It was a bad 90s idea. We were all wearing chokers. We're like, this will be funny. (laughs) Oh, I was positive for so long that I was going to remain for the rest of my days in front of that carousel. Oh, yeah. It felt like we were there for nine hours. I was like, God, I want to leave the carousel area. But everyone else seemed to like it. But I was like, I'm having a nervous breakdown. Oh, my God. And then just went from there, every single place you turned, it was just like, oh, no, someone's flying. (laughs) Oh, no, they're smoking. Like, it just... I went there when I was nine on mushrooms. Oh. And I had the same freak out. I was there when I was a kid. Why did my dad take us there? That's not fun for children. I don't understand. Was it Halloween? No. He wasn't trying to scare you? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I just remember there were so many of us and we had no money, so there was like eight of us sleeping in a room with two beds. And I slept on the floor. Oh, no. Red shag carpeting. Oh. Circus, circus. Ew. What'd you pick up from there? Closing time. <laughs> time for me to go home. Okay. The entire source of the story I'm about to tell you is from one Vanity Fair article written by a woman named Megan Rose. Um, and actually, she wrote this article so good that it ended up changing the verdict. What? Let's get into it, shall we? <laughs> It's very, very fun. I was going to read you uh, the title of this article, but it is a complete spoiler title. It basically tells you all the good stuff, right? Don't in do it. it. So, um, okay. So on June fourth, nineteen ninety-two, when uh, Gerard Jerry Souls doesn't show up at, casi- at Circus Circus Casino uh, for work, his, which is very unlike him, his boss goes to the RV park where he lives to investigate. Um, 
Don't judge. Yeah. They're really nice inside. I know. Actually, my, really. I'm not kidding. My cousin lives in one, and it's you would never know that you were in a double wide. It's kind of my dream home. It's, they're pretty cool. Yeah. And then very manageable. Not just, like this gorgeous palatial apartment I have upstairs tonight. That was too many messages in one. Um, okay. So when he knocks on the door, he can hear Jerry's poodles barking cr- like crazy and he knows something's wrong because they're normally very well-behaved dogs. They don't bark. Um, so he calls the, the park security guard and they call the cops. And inside the trailer, they find Jerry's soul's belongings scattered everywhere. Um, the uh, window shade's been pulled off the window. TV VCR cabinet's empty. There's a blood-soaked mattress and a trail of blood leading back um, toward the bathroom. And they're in the bathroom, there's blood splattered everywhere. It's just in- insane. And um, Jerry Souls is laying naked with his throat slashed. He's been stabbed so many times that the coroner stopped counting at 35. What? But they believe it's over 100. Oh my God. Um, and it, somebody put an orange towel on his face. Hmm. Uh, He was 55 years old. So we'll tell you a little bit about Jerry Souls. So he was born 1935 in Canada, but he moved to Michigan in his childhood, and he grew up outside Detroit. Um, And when he was a teenager, he grew up in a very devout Catholic family, but he still came out to his mom when he was a teenager, and his family totally supported him. Um, Yeah. I thought... In uh, 1955, yeah. holy fucking shit. Jesus. So, um, but his, it was his lifelong dream since he was like 12 years old, he wanted to be in the circus. Aww. So when he wanted to, to be on the trapeze. So when he was 16, he left home um, to join the circus. And uh, uh, this is, so basically this is, I found his, uh, Stephen found his obituary um, it was insanely long. This is the abridged version. It was written by a woman named Helene Weaver. Um, and she says, Gerard Souls, who has been murdered at Las Vegas, Nevada, was one of America's leading circus performers, first as a trapeze artist, and she spelled it artiste, and Aww. later with his celebrated dog troupe, Poodles <gasps> D. Perry. Wait, were they all on a trapeze together? No, 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 oh, no. fuck. <laughs> I got so excited. You know, do, 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 do. they let you do that shit like up until the two, like nineties, right? No, I think yeah, they do. But no, that's the high wire. Oh, the trapeze would be oh. you lock a dog's legs onto it. <laughs> no, that's, now grab this one. That's worse. It'd be amazing. He like throws the dog to the. Be fucking incredible. Only cats could do that. <laughs> I am a poodle, I am a poodle. (laughs) I just can't stop picturing. I know. It's a pretty good visual. Okay. Oh, I think we do have some pictures. Oh, am I in charge? Yeah. Check this shit out. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So he got famous because he could do this trick where he would... Um, he would go off the, uh, like he would launch off the trapeze, I don't know the terminology, and then he would do a forward somersault and catch himself by his heel, by his like ankles no. on the trapeze, like and then be, <laughs> fine. 
That's amazing. Wearing like a cape. He looks incredible. Look Uh, at him. Living his best life. He was fucking doing it. Um, So his heel-catching work as an aerialist was sensational, and together with his cool arrogance and electrifying personality, more than justifies justified his billing as the star of stars on the high trapeze. So I guess he was like the fucking... (laughs) I don't know why I was going to say the Tom Cruise of the trapeze. Uh-huh. Hmm. Okay, I get it. I get it. My favorite star. <laughs> um, so, uh, in his life, he had a number of falls, usually oh. only in rehearsal, but in Belgium in early 1964, after a near-fatal accident in front of a paying audience, no. he, he retired from the trapeze. Great. Um, he was next seen in the Clyde Beatty Colex Brothers Circus in America. You know your favorite circus. <laughs> The famous one. Clyde Beatty Colex. Uh, <laughs> it was out by the nuclear power plant. Um, <laughs> for that circus, he, he did a plate spinning act. Um, uh, his career spanned four decades. Um, he worked in everything from uh, small shows to the Barman, Barnum Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth. By 1956, he was a center ring attraction with Clyde Beatty's Big Tenting Circus. And four years later, he joined Ringling Brothers Barnum, and Barnum and Bailey, in which he featured. Um, he was a featured attraction until 1963, when he was sent to Moscow to appear in an American circus. He was an admirer of a British dog trainer named Victor Julian, and that's how he got his idea when he was doing the plate spinning. He's like, this sucks. So <laughs> he remembered this dog trainer that he loved, this British dog trainer, so then he t- decided he was going to have a dog act. Um, and uh, which, and so that's when he came up with Poodles de Paris, and um, he made all the costumes for himself and for the dogs. Wait. Oh no, tell me. (gasps) Is it happening? It is happening. Look at this little guy right here. Look at his outfit. Look at their outfit. Can you believe you've never heard of Jerry Souls? I mean, and the Poodles de Perry. I love that Stephen wrote with Poodles. With Poodles. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Look at them. With, I mean, with poodles and feathers. Um, so basically, he gets a job at Circus Circus in 1992, and the height it, of Circus Circus is great. Something. Hold it. No, it too, that would be too early for me on my drug trip. <gasps> um, I'd be amazing. I'm like, wait a second, I saw this. <laughs> but basically, on the second floor at Circus Circus, there's a stage, and all day long until midnight, they have circus circus acts performing for free. Oh my God. So they just have act after act, and uh, Jerry was like the hit of the show, um, and uh, people would, you know, on their way to. In this article, she says, as they, as they move along past to the two ninety nine buffet. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what she is. It's kind of, you know, it's a little elitist. Um, <laughs> so his show featured 14 Pete Poodles um, hopping on their hind legs across the stage. Mm-hmm. One would wear a poncho and a sombrero. Another uh, had her dress attached to her front paws so that when she stood up, she did the <gasps> Moulin Rouge can-can. Oh, you're sexualizing a <laughs> poodle. I hope it was a girl. <laughs> um, 
There was ones wearing three foot tall hats, giant hoop skirts. <laughs> and then Jerry himself wore sequin tails matching bow tie and all hand stitched himself, as we said. So um, the, the problem was in his personal life, Jerry was having a really hard time. He was 55. His partner of decades had died a couple years before. Aww. And um, he... He, all the other performers, uh, most of them lived in uh, the casino's own RV park. That's kind of a common thing, I guess, here. But they wouldn't let him stay in their RV park, the Circus Circus RV park, with um, the poodles. So he got banished to the Silver Nugget camper land. Which we all know. Less desirable. Yeah. Um, this... Um coming off. Oh. What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. This, so is this my part of the table now? <laughs> yeah. And that's your part? That's all you get. <laughs> Gravity. Watch me. I'm going to yank this Do really it. fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. Everyone's good. Magic. <laughs> okay. So... So the thing that Jerry started doing was he was, uh, to make himself feel better, he would help other people. So if he saw people panhandling, um, and usually it was men, because he want, you know, he was lonely for male company, so he would, um, you know, give them money, ask them if they wanted to go to dinner, you know, basically kind of try to help out. And that's how he met a man named Fred Stees. So... Uh, basically, Fred, he saw Fred was holding a will work for food sign. He was driving by in his truck. He said, I'll take you to dinner if you want to go to dinner with me. Fred's like, sounds great. At dinner, uh, you know, Jerry said, I'm a gay man. I'm, you know, like, I'm, you know, interested in hanging out. Fred's like, sounds good to me. I like to hang out too. Um, and then Fred was like, well, here's an interesting thing. If you really do need work, I just fired my assistant. <laughs> Apparently, he had, a, he had an assistant uh-huh. um, that couldn't do the job. <laughs> I don't, it wasn't in the article, I so I don't know. I there's a lot of dog poop picking up in <sighs> said job. Poodle poop. Poodle poop. Diva poop. Yeah. Um, so... Jerry offered him the job, and he was like, that'd be amazing. It would help me so much. So they, he, they start working together, and then they actually start to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. So he trains him to be his assistant and learns the whole dog act. But then when they're ready to work at Circus Circus, like H, the HR department came, and it was like, you need a work permit to be able to work here and be Jerry's assistant. Well, Fred tells Jerry... Um, I'm actually living under an assumed name because I'm on the run. Uh, I'm uh, in parole violation in Florida Mm-mm. for um, what they called a hapless bank robbery, which I'd love to know. There's oh, no details about it in the article. That's embarrassing. You know, you, you're just kind of a shitty bank robber. <laughs> yeah. Like he walked in with a bag with dollar signs on it and then tripped and chipped his tooth. <laughs> started crying. So... Uh, so basically he says he says to Jerry I'm not going to be able to get a work permit and this isn't going to work out thanks for everything you know see you later um, and then in the article it says then he panhandled enough money for liquor and a speedball and hopped on a train <laughs> how did they have that detail <laughs> it's just a fucking dream vacation <laughs> 
So Fred Steese had a really hard life himself. He was abandoned by his mother when he was 10. He was in 37 different foster homes. Um, yeah, as a teen, he wandered into a hobo camp outside Phoenix um, where an old timer introduced him to riding the rails. So then he started doing that. Um, and uh, so, oh, we have a picture. This is... Oh, that's that's everybody oh, that's on the second floor look that would them. do the second floor show at Circus Circus. Look at child labor. See those kids? Tap dance, Janine. Do it <laughs> again. Oh, where again. <laughs> and then those girls on the top—that's all they did—is put one hand up. <laughs> but they were really good. Man, look at those flat. Okay, don't. Oh, sorry. No, I don't even. I could just stare at that forever. I'm on mushrooms. I just want to stare at that. What? Yeah. You should have told me. <laughs> oh, so, no. that's the hapless bank robber, Fred Steve. Okay. Um, okay. This is stressful to me. Okay. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Sure. Okay. Do you want to? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to yell photo when the photo. Okay. Is. Now you're going to be stressed out. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so then six days later, after uh, Fred jumped the train, it was six days later... Um, that Jerry didn't show up for work at Circus Circus and his boss came and they found his body. So How many days? Six? Six days. Oh, that's not a lot. It's not a lot. Um, and when the detectives are um, investigating the crime scene, they find a letter that's from... Uh, it's sent to Fred Steese, but it's at Jerry's address. And it's from the last guy that Fred had hitchhiked with and then eventually started a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how they... Uh, that's how they started to pinpoint that he was there. They called this guy, and that guy told the police that um, Fred had told them uh, that the guy he lived with had been stabbed like a hundred times. <gasps> and so the second the police heard that he knew that bit of information, right. they were like, he did it, we just have to go get him. Yeah. Um, so uh, they call... Fred Steese, they tell him he has to come back to Vegas. So Fred's way of coming back to Vegas, Mm-mm. he's super drunk. He jumps on a train going the wrong direction. He ends up in Wisconsin. Oh, that's not Vegas. So when he gets there, he realizes what he did. So he steals a semi-truck. Mm-hmm. And he drives 30 hours straight through back to Vegas. Shit. And when he hits town, he immediately gets pulled over and arrested. <laughs> hmm. I mean... You know, he got from point A to point B. He well, point A to point D. Right. But then visa V, B, and C. <laughs> um, okay, so he tells them he has nothing to do with Jerry Soul's murder. That he would have never hurt him. That he really liked him. He considered him a close friend, and that he had been in New, Pl- New Plymouth, Idaho, the whole time. Um, but uh, Fred basically. He the, he would the, he would deny it just outright, and then the cops were getting angrier and yelling at him. The inter, the um, interrogation lasted five hours, and he changed his story. At first, he said he had nothing to do with it. Then he claimed that Fred sexually attempted to tie him up and to sexually assault him hmm. with a plunger. Mm. The police are like that. They showed him the the layout of the uh, of the trailer, and they're mm-hmm. like, "It's physically impossible what you're saying he right. did." There's no room for that. Um, then he changes story again. <laughs> Literally, the it was aerodynamically impossible. <laughs> so he changes his story again. He ends up changing it six times. Um, 
but in the end, uh, he just says he decided to rob Jerry last minute, and then Jerry woke up, and so he killed him. Uh, and that's the story he gives the cops. Uh-huh. And so they, uh, Fred Steese is arrested for the murder of Jerry Souls. So two years later, by the time uh, the case gets to trial, Fred Steese's defense team, um, they've put together an extensive alibi. He had There's 14 witnesses, 10 items of documentary evidence proving that Steese was nowhere near Soul's trailer at the time of the murder. Hmm. Um, but uh, at the time, an ambitious young prosecution lawyer named William Keppert was assigned to the case, and he knows that Steese did it, so he's pulling, he wants to pull that alibi apart. So he goes to Idaho, and he finds witnesses who say that Steese used to use the alias Robert, and that they heard him talking about having a brother. So they find out that Fred Steese has a look-alike brother no. named Robert who lives in Texas. Yes, it's real. What the fuck? So, um, so they put it together, they come up with this theory. So it, here's the theory. Steese, it wasn't Fred Steese in Idaho, it was Robert, and it was, um, it was all a plan to create this alibi, and the witnesses who thought they met Fred in Wyoming and Idaho, the two places he was seen, actually met his brother Robert, and the real Fred ran to Idaho after the murder and then met his brother there. Um, but the only problem with this theory is that there was no evidence that proves that Robert Steese had been in Idaho, and it directly conflicted with the actual established timeline, and most importantly, it contradicted Steese's signed confession that it was this last-minute drunken decision to rob and then, mm-hmm. and then murder. Um, Jerry Souls. So, uh, since it could be proved that Fred Steese was in Wyoming on May 31st, that would mean that Steese would have had to set the alibi plan into motion three full days before that spur of the moment attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but this theory presented to um, the court, plus the signed confession, was enough um, to get him convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. You might want to hold that. <laughs> he spends 20 years in jail. Ooh, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, this whole time, his original defense attorney, a woman named Nancy Lemke, is fighting to get his case reviewed. She's sending it everywhere she can, like somebody has to do something. Mm-hmm. This guy didn't do it. And uh, when they finally do get the case reviewed, they find evidence in the files that... Fred Steese's name had been run through the system by Texas authorities on May 25th, June 1st, and June 4th, which um, that means it's usually when people are stopped by the police is when your name gets run, mm-hmm. um, which would mean that Robert Steese was in Texas at the time of the prosecution, uh, at the time the prosecution argued he was impersonating his brother in Idaho. Um, mm. I'm sorry, they find evidence Robert Steese's name. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> they that up. It's confusing enough. But essentially, the lookalike brother is proven to be in Texas at the time that he's supposedly being seen in Idaho and Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they find this piece of information and the fact that it was suppressed by the prosecution. So they didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so then they go talk to uh, Robert, Fred's brother, and he tells the court under oath he hadn't seen Fred since he was nine years old. He had never been to Idaho or Wyoming, and he didn't even know what Fred's birthday was or if he was still alive. So he had no contact or connection with his brother whatsoever. That's weird. So um, in October of 2012... After 20 years in prison, a judge declares that Steese was innocent. They go back through all of all of the everything, and he there was nothing that put him in that uh, mobile home at the time of the murder. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, so, but they wouldn't the because he had already been um, found guilty and gone to jail. Um, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't retry him. They. I mean, they wouldn't um, just say that he was innocent they wouldn't just let him go mm-hmm. they made him sign the Alfred mm-hmm. plea mm-hmm. which is the thing that says that you are convicted but you say you're innocent and then you can get out of jail mm-hmm. and that way nobody they don't, you're not allowed to sue and none of the people who withheld evidence or mm. were tricky in any way get in trouble that's fucked up so um uh <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm drinking your water <laughs> Anyways. Well, I, I guess I quit. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Sorry, I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, it, then it, and, um, so he, but Fred Steese is in jail. He's like, I'll sign the fucking Alfred plea. Get me out of here. I, yeah. I'm good with it. So he does it. He gets out of jail. But of course, he can't get a job everywhere he goes. He's a convicted felon. Um, so this... Uh, that's when our friend Megan Rose wrote this article for Vanity Fair, and then in um, November of 2017, the Nevada Board of Pardons and Commissions granted Fred a full pardon, delivering a clear rebuke to the Las Vegas prosecutors wow. who refused to recognize his innocence. And Nevada Supreme Court Justice uh, Lydia Stiglitz said, "Let there be no residual stain on his record," um, but. A, a sad footnote to this, uh, J- Jerry Soul's sister, Kathy Nurse Nasri, um, who was so angry at Fred Steese the enti- during the entire court case, mm-hmm. went to him and wept and asked for his forgiveness and said she was so sorry. Um, she has a whole shrine in her house, because um, she still lives back in Detroit, of her, all of her brother's amazing accomplishments yeah. in the circus and being this insane, amazing trapeze artist and, and dog trainer and you know incredible entertainer for years and years. And she also still has um, his silver ring and in this article it says it's stained with blood and she wonders if the killer's DNA is on it and if anyone cares oh man and that's the unsolved supposedly murder of Jared Souls yeah wow it's kind of fun kind of depressing fuck that's crazy how have we never heard of that okay I'm gonna listen okay Okay, now I'm gonna get comfortable. You get comfortable. You take you take the the tablecloth. I don't think. That... Oh, that's him. That's um, Fred Steese. Dad, we got out of jail. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like 
perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Okay, take the ceremonial tablecloth. Okay. I am going to tell you... About a, a murder. Okay. You know? Sounds good. Yeah. That's, we love true crime. Yeah. Um, this is the murder of Ted Binion. Oh. Do you know, so Stephen will send us, like, uh, here's, a, here's a list of ideas of murders you can do, and, like, send us each separate ones. And um, I had already found this one that I wanted to do. And I, and I was like, can I do this one? He's like, I sent it to Karen. What do I do? And I'm like, tell her she can't fucking have it. <laughs> Did he email you? Soon we're only going to be talking through Steven. <laughs> well, tell her I said, maybe I want it. <laughs> no, I still hadn't even looked at his email when he texted me. He's like, um, so Binion's is out, okay? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Please don't bother me at home, Steven. <laughs> Um, he climbs your gate and he's like, hey, I just want to let you know. <laughs> he climbs the gate from the outside. George climbs from the inside. Yeah. Hi. They Snapchat each other's faces. <laughs> Is Snapchat still a thing? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think it imploded. Oh. Um, 
Okay, so <laughs> where was I? So this story is so convoluted and insane and weird that I like I my brain doesn't wrap around it, and to me, I'm like I don't really know exactly what happened. So you'll have to tell me what you. Oh, think I'll tell you at the end. I'll tell you. Okay, I'm counting on it. Okay, all right. So Benny Binion was a gambling icon and kind of a mob dude who lived in Dallas, and he fled from the Texas government to Las Vegas to or- open the Horseshoe Casino in downtown Las Vegas in 1951. Yeah! I have lost a lot of money at that exact casino. I would love to steal an ashtray from the Horseshoe Casino. Mm. I bet they have a horseshoe on them. Yeah. Do you like horseshoes? I just like old ashtrays. (laughs) Is it because you're at Clydesdale? (laughs) And the smoker? (laughs) A lot of Clydesdales are really bad smokers. (laughs) All of us. So many of us. Um, It is my, like, when we stay downtown, that's where we go to gamble. They have a fucking buffalo machine. If you guys see one here, go play it. (laughs) Buffalo. Buffalo. It's my favorite. Georgia Ooh, loves Buffalo. I'm a real, I'm a real uh, sucker for Willy Wonka. Yeah. I just want, I just want to watch a movie and give my money away, <laughs> and Willy Wonka helps me do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So here, here's here's what Benny Binion looks like. Fucking, what's up? Yes. Buffalo. Yes. Benny Binion. What is that? A buffalo on his neck? <laughs> He is a fucking old timer. You know you wanted to drink with him, right? I just, my heart is singing right now. <laughs> he parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally parties. He's the guy, he does cigarette and drink in one oh, hand. Oh, that's good. It's all this. This. What he about can do a, it. It's all individually. Oh, he yeah. chews on a cigar, makes it all wet cigar. and gross. Toothpicks. Yes. Okay. Maybe just keeps a tiny, like a smaller than normal piece of gum right in the front. <laughs> counts money. He counts money while looking around and smiling at people. Yeah. He licks his finger while he's counting money, but he doesn't get sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's like magic to me. No money can make Benny Binion sick. No. Never has. Proven fact. Okay. I love you. <laughs> okay, so he comes here to escape from those guys in, in Dallas. Uh, he, it's like one of the most profitable, profitable casinos. He totally changes the way fucking casinos work. He's like a total badass baller. Everyone loves him. He's like the dude, right? Um, but And he wears feather boas, apparently, yeah. so fuck yes. <laughs> but he was eventually convicted of tax evasion. Long history. It's actually really interesting. He's a fucking fascinating dude. So he, <laughs> you love tax law. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he's interesting. <laughs> this tax evasion court case is amazing. Oh, I read every piece of paper Get about the transcripts. It. So his sons take over the business of the horseshoe. Uh, his son Ted, who's only 21 at the time, and his son Jack take over. Jack becomes president of the horseshoe. I guess he's kind of like a boring dude in the back, <laughs> you know, counting money with yep. his without licking his finger. Yes, he has the green uh, visor, uh-huh. and he's got the yes. garter on his sleeve. Yes. He's from the 1850s. <laughs> right. Right. So they don't let him out on the floor. 
Um, but Ted is like super cool. He becomes the casino manager. He's the face of the horseshoe. Uh, Ted's the 21 year old. Ted's the 21 year old. And sorry, it's like this late 50s, early 60s. You know, I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I kept looking for uh, dates, but none of them seemed right. All We're right. eventually going to get to the um, late 90s. So just Stri- strike that question. Bear just with strike me. It. It's a valid fucking question that I had too. I'm just saying. If you think about your YouTube stars of today, imagine if one of them had their own casino. It would be bad. <laughs> that would be an asshole child. Right. Just picture it. No, this guy... Okay, so let me tell you about him. You like him. He, yeah. He's a good guy. They, uh, okay. Would I like him? <laughs> yes. So, he's the, uh, basically a younger version of his fucking pimp-ass dad. <gasps> oh. Can I say pimp? You did. I know. That's really not you. I know. I didn't know what to say. That's Vegas, baby. Yeah. Let it out. Okay. Younger version. Um, or at least he tried to be. He basically grew up in the casino. He learned the trade as a preteen from his father um, and some in like casino players. He learned it all. By the time he was 18, he had been in the casino business his whole life. Um, someone said that Benny told me that Ted was the best in the business. So he's like a businessman. He dresses like his dad in boots and cowboy hat, tucks a pistol in his jeans. What? And he drove a pickup truck with his dog, Princess, riding shotgun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He drove it right into the casino. <laughs> he was always ready for fun. He was super likable. Also a junkie. A junkie? Yeah. He, a gambling junkie? No. A drug addict. The word junkie is also problematic. Okay. He had moved from pot to opium to LSD and finally black tar heroin was Same. his drug of choice. But Same. somehow he fucking ran this like huge, crazy business. Well, yeah, I think he probably built up a tolerance. Yeah. So it all got real normal to him that he was like... It's crazy. (laughs) I mean... Black tar. (laughs) Sorry. I've had two cups of coffee and I can barely fucking read. Like, what? For real. I had two cups of coffee. I'm sweating like a lunatic. Me too. It's the... Okay, good. Whew. I thought it was... the lights. Um, okay, so for the next 30 years, Ted's the face of the horseshoe, becomes well-known um, as the host of their famous poker tournaments. He loved living the high life, partying, schmoozing with high-profile guests, and flirting with hot ladies. One such lady, I can't remember what photo I put up next. Da, 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 I don't remember. Um, just roll those dice. <laughs> yeah. What if it's just a funny meme? <laughs> One such woman was Sandy Murphy, a.k.a. the Irish Venus. Oh, hello. Mm. So they had met in 1995 while she was working at Cheetah's. (laughs) Yes. The exotic dancing place. So wait, is Cheetah's like a chain like Bennigan's? Because there's one in L.A. too. Yeah, I didn't realize. And it's topless, right? I believe topless, okay. yes. <laughs> At the Being very topless, least. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's all tank tops and tube tops. It's a, old fashioned. Um, that's where Ted liked to hang out and do his business and take his meetings and stuff. Sure. You know. It's easier to concentrate there. Right. You do that too, right? Yep. Um, so Sandy is beautiful. She's 28 younger, years younger than Ted. She had come to Las Vegas from Bellflower in Los Angeles. You know, that hub of sin. Oh, the city, Bellflower? Yeah. Oh, I thought Bellflower was another strip club that I was supposed to know about. (laughs) Is that a good one? Are they all awesome? (laughs) Um, Bellflower is all, it's goth and mod. Oh, yeah. Stripping. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's hard to tell. So, like, you can read stories about her that, you know, they make her to be this sexy sex queen who's, like, looking for money. And then, some, and then like, in her thing, she's like, I lost all my money, and I needed money, so I'm hot, and I went and worked at Cheetah's. It's like, yeah. you know, you can't tell. It, uh, I mean, look. Look, listen. Listen, but... I like when they list things like that, like they were after money. Aren't we all fucking after (laughs) money on the daily? Yeah, yeah. Please. They make her, you know... You know, it's like one of those things where, like, in the forty-eight hours on ID, they show like probably like a pole dancing person from like the knees down. Yeah. You know, just to show you what it, the gritty, seedy underlay, underbelly, and the, like, really... two weird dudes that are like, yeah, oh. yeah, like they've never seen legs right. before, and it's like, ooh, legs. This was she was bad, but it's like <laughs> we should just need it to money. We all okay. It's I, a, this might be the photo I think it is, which will make you laugh. No, that's not it. Okay, that's Ted Binion. <laughs> that's the fucking black tar heroin addict. Uh huh. Oh my god, I love him. <laughs> Apparently, he was like a really uh, everyone loved him. He was a uh, grega- gre- you know gregarious, friend. gregarious <laughs> friends. With you people. gave up halfway through on gregarious. Was like, <laughs> don't know. That's what that means. <laughs> He just doesn't look like anyone I ever did heroin with. That's, <laughs> that's what's freaking me out. <laughs> Does he look like someone who would wear a fucking feather boa and a hat like yes. his dad? Well, that's who he was. Okay. <gasps> oh, sorry. Got to okay. take him away from you. <laughs> okay, Sandy. Ba 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 ba. Okay. So, so shortly after they met, right after Ted's wife and kid move out of his house or their house, Sandy moves in with Ted and. Um, she uh, like starts racking up credit card bills, averaging five fifty one hundred is the number I saw. Um, expensive jewelry, plastic surgery, European vacations, all paid for by Ted. Which is like, well, he's got the money. Let yeah. him pay for her shit. Isn't if he wants. Isn't that what casinos are all about? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just like spending and wasting right. and stuff, smoking, <laughs> heroin. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. They both love to party all night, sleep all day, which who fucking doesn't? And, um, okay, here's the photo that I think you're going to enjoy. This is from their made-for-TV movie. Oh. Are you ready? Who do you think she played her? Well, if she's the Irish Venus, Irish Venus. You're already on the wrong track. Okay. Because it's... So Diane Carroll? (laughs) Or what? (laughs) Oh... Mina Servari. <laughs> Matthew Modine. And Matthew Modine. <laughs> Who is also totally addicted to black tar heroin. <laughs> Let's spread that rumor. Yeah, I'm going to. I'll tweet it out tonight. So this is the kind of idea. Let me tell you about this movie real quick. Uh, this movie is called Sex and Lies in Sin City. Let me read you a quick blurb from it. I'm sorry, that title is easily the laziest piece of writing I've ever heard. (laughs) No, no, no. The movie seems like the laziest piece of writing. (laughs) Someone wrote about it. Shot in New Mexico for what looks like jackpots off penny slots, the fact-based story as depicted isn't trashy enough to qualify as a guilty pleasure. Oh, that's the worst when they're not bad enough to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's them. Look. Listen. Everybody's got okay. it. You've got to make those made-for-TV movies sometime. <sighs> okay. According... Modine's t- laughing now with the Stranger Things yeah. cash stacking up. Yeah. <laughs> According to Texas Monthly, our favorite mag- news magazine Texas in the world, Monthly, the, so the story by Gary 
uh, Cartwright. So, so according to all this shit, she was famous for her big mouth and she called Ted old and ugly and told people openly that she was sticking around just for the money. But other friends of uh, the couple attested to seeing Sandy with bruises on her face and cl- a clump of hair missing once. Oh. And that she told a friend that Binion had beaten her. Uh, Binion's gardener said she took a lot of crap from him. Oh. And when the gardener knows. That guy's outside yeah. the house. Yeah. Not inside. No. After one particularly big fight, Ted bought her a Mercedes worth. $97,000. That's almost $100,000. What kind of... What does... What the fuck? Does it have a CD player? Or something? I don't know. <laughs> what if it looks like our hotel room upstairs? <laughs> That's just the car that you drive? In March 1998. Finally, we have a date. Okay, here we are. We're in 1998. Okay, great. Karen's living the high life. Loving it. I'm graduating high school. 28. On speed, freaking out, can't sleep, can't stop drinking, panicking, but pretending like I'm having a great time. Plaid mini skirt, black combat boots, red. I have a photo of it, right? No. What if I did? I know, I want to see it too. Don't be mad. If you did, it would be me with the tiniest eyebrows, like Clara Bow eyebrows. Me too. Right? You pluck them all out when you're yeah. on speed. <laughs> And then, like, my eyelids never touched my irises. It was always like, hi, what's up? I was always really angry about nothing. <laughs> um, 98. She took us there. After the Nevada Gaming Commission finds out that Ted is associating with Chicago mobs- mobster, his name's Fat er- Herbie Blitzstein. What? Say it again. I'm sure I got that. Fat Herbie, Herbie, Herbie. Herbie with a K? Herbie. Herbie. Herbie with like, a K. Like, like the love bug. Yeah. Got it. Blitzstein. Fat Herbie Blitzstein? Which I'm like, go juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Herbie Blitzstein. Yeah. I thought he was fun. I hope he was super skinny. <laughs> One of those ones? They find out that he, he, they're hanging, Ted's hanging out with him. So they vote, the Nevada Gaming Commission is like your older sister that tells on you and it's like a super big bummer and you're like, what? That they voted unanimously to provoke, permanently revoke Ted's gaming license. He's the first, he's the first person to lose his license for violating a Nevada regulation that bans gaming license holders from associating with known criminals. Oh. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> who, amongst, who amongst us is not a criminal? She likes it. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Fucking finally! Had it. Sick of it. <laughs> Commission these games for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Can we get some regulation? <laughs> Woo! I know. Right? Yep. Um, I'll do it for you because you're telling your story. Oh, oh, you don't have to do that. Okay. I will. It'll be fun. Thank you. That's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to license. Okay. His ties are now... S- <laughs> right? Uh-huh. I get a little too. Oh, okay. On the back end. It's making your hair do this like amazing <gasps> thing. <laughs> Okay, he's, ties are severed from the family business. They're like, pack up all your shit in the basement of the horseshoe, get the fuck out of here, you can't be in here. <laughs> um, 
So he takes, he takes all his, uh, his crazy fucking silver collection, estimated to be worth anywhere from 7 to 14 million fucking dollars. He collects silver. Yeah. Okay. My dad's like, do it. That's my dad's, like, apocalypse plan. Invest in silver? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a good idea. Copper wire is also a great thing to strip <laughs> if you ever see it anywhere. Oh. Just pull it down and put it in your car. I've heard that. For later, for after when the bomb hits. You'll know. You'll find someone to sell it to. At this point, Sandy and Ted's relationship is starting to sour. Ted had lost his gaming license, and after that, his drug addiction got fucking worse. Probably as bored as fuck at home, right? We've all been there. <laughs> we just didn't do... Just can't stop. Yeah. So, um, he... Needing to find a new place to store his silver, silver, since he had a GTFO out of there, he enlisted the help of a dude named Rick Tabish who owned a trucking company who Sandy had met recently. And there's just like so much information about this dude and like it's so hard to find the exact fucking details of him. Sounds like he was a bad guy. Okay. Um, he's described as ruggedly handsome, financially, a financially troubled contractor from Montana with a yes. criminal record that included convictions for aggravated assault and cocaine dealing. Mm. It's like the just, dating show. Your eyes turn into hearts. Contestant oh number one. He's is, perfectly terrible for me. <laughs> I think there's a photo of him. Yes. Well, that's oh. them. So that's Sandy and that's Rick. That's fucking Will Ferrell if I've ever seen him. <laughs> do not, do not. Try to tell me. <laughs> um, ba, ba, ba. Owned a trucking company. Okay. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> he, um, he's soon confiding to friends that he was, quote, here's this fucking romantic. He's a, clearly a romantic. <laughs> Laying the pipe to Binion's girlfriend. Oh. Okay. I have another recovered memory. <laughs> Great. There was a stand-up comedian <laughs> that I knew when I first started stand-up in Sacramento. Please tell me who it is. No, I can't, I can't even remember his name. Okay, good. He's a I nobody. Don't, I don't think he ever... I don't, I don't think he flourished. You don't think he succeeded? I don't know. I've, but he okay. had a map, and he had pins in the map, and no. then next to the pin it would say LP. No. And that's uh, everywhere in the United States he had laid by... No! Yes. 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 This is my world. I've been in it since I was 20. It's so upsetting. I never got better. Are we sure he didn't mean take a shit? (laughs) That's what I thought it meant. Yeah. The first time I saw the map, I thought he had put a pin everywhere he had taken a shit across the United States. And I was like, that's weird and not something to brag about. And then I think it was someone like Blink Patch or somebody who was like, Karen, playing pipe means making love with a woman. And I was like, oh, no, it I've got to get out of this business. i got to go lay some pipe. I'll be right back. That's like an obvious one. You're going to the bathroom. I'm seeing this girl. We've started to lay pipe. I just think, I think there's something there. I think it's real. The pipeline is so... Uh, there's miles of it. It's all copper. It's, it's amazing. copper wire. Everywhere. <laughs> so he's clearly... Sucks. And then um, also telling her that he's... U- also telling his friends he's using her to advance his plan to steal the bulk of Ted's fortune, including the silver, etc. So... When Ted has to get a new place to hide his shit, he hires Rick to help construct a new vault. 
It's a concrete bunker, 12 feet deep, built on the desert floor on a piece of property he owned in Parup. 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 I don't know. I'm just saying what I think they're saying. Parup. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Only need a screaming at me four times. Uh, Parup. But I do know it's 60 miles west of Las Vegas. (laughs) Can you imagine? The after party's there tonight. (laughs) We're going to have a rave. We drive out there to Parup. Lay some pipe. (laughs) I had to say it. I had no choice. It's the thing we were talking about two minutes ago. It's called a callback. I'm stuck. I'm stuck in this. Okay. So the bunker, which sounds awesome, contains tons of silver bullion, horseshoe casino chips, paper currency, and more than 100,000 rare coins, including Carson City silver dollars, many in mint condition. I don't know what that means. Um, Really nice. Washed. Not mint, but... Carson's. I know what mint means. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, I understand that you wouldn't think I did based on my track record. It was just the sentence construction, that's yeah, yeah. all. Came at um, the end. Estimated to be worth up to $14 million in this fucking vault. And Shit. so the only people who had the combination are Ted and this fucking bad guy, the Rick. Bad, Will, bad Will Ferrell. Bad Will Ferrell. So, Bad Will Ferrell becomes a regular visitor at the Binion household. He said he fell in love with Sandy. Um, (laughs) Days after the treasure is sealed in this underground bunker, Ted revises his will. Um, The bulk of his his estate is $30 million worth it. Worth that. Um, (laughs) He's going to go to his daughter, deleted the names of a bunch of people, and bequeath Sandy $300,000. Oh, that's a slap in the face. Because she already has a $100,000 car. That's a lot of fucking money, though. No, it is a lot of money. It's not enough. Well, I think... what she wants, mm-hmm. she wants to be living that, you know, silver bullion life, right? right? Right. Oh, but also his home and all of its contents. Oh. That's weird. You think his daughter would, like, want a fucking keepsake? Maybe uh, there, maybe it was all, like, a daffodil yellow or something she could she handle. remade the whole thing. It's, like, marble flooring and stuff. I don't know. What's nice? Marble countertops yeah. okay yeah. marble's nice <laughs> to make sure okay sandy what are we had, talking about? i don't know i'm really i feel like my brain is okay, okay. um and then so by this time though and maybe this is why the relationship had started to go real shitty sandy and ted slept in separate rooms and sandy barely hid her affair with rick okay. so on september 17th 1998 six months after losing his gaming license sandy calls the police saying my husband has stopped breathing and then the connection was lost paramedics found ted binion in his den lying on a yoga mat empty bottle of xanax besides him dead. The autopsy and toxicology report show that he had died of a lethal dosage combination of Xanax and heroin oh, no. with traces of Valium. Yay. Wow. That's so many Someone drugs. just went, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye on her, security. <laughs> woo! Just a little one. Yeah. Come on! <laughs> 
The day before, Binion had himself purchased 12 pieces of tar heroin from a street drug dealer and had earlier gotten a prescription from his next-door neighbor, a doctor for Xanax, and had gotten it himself. So he had purchased all those drugs on his own. So um, they thought that maybe it was an accidental overdose or on purpose. Um, But Las Vegas homicide detectives thought that the scene looked staged. His body didn't show typical signs of a drug overdose. Also, his stomach contained heroin, and the police thought that an addict nor suicide would take heroin. You don't eat heroin, right? You do not eat heroin. It's not like pot. You can't make heroin brownies. Someone in the audience is like, actually, you can. Um, I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, I wouldn't have tried it, but... I just feel like pot... I mean, eating it isn't the ideal way to take heroin. If you, if you want to shoot it into your eye, that's good, but... No! But eating it won't work. Okay. So then, yeah, like, that's really suspicious, right? <laughs> I think so. Okay. So, what prosecutors ended up believing is that Rick and Ted... Rick restrained Ted with handcuffs or thumb cuffs while Sandy mixed... I know. Is that real? I, it's, I, it was in the article. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it up. <laughs> Does any... I think we, we need to get a pair of thumb cuffs and see how... If they really work. I... <laughs> I can't even picture it. It doesn't, it seems like a dumb party game that if it happened at a party I was at, I would get really mad. <laughs> I don't think you would, they would have picked you for the jury after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're like, how do you feel about thumb coughs? Is that that fucking game that people keep playing? Ma'am, we're going to need you to... Ma'am, you're dismissed from society. <laughs> So then they said that Sandy mixed up um, the heroin and stuff in a glass and forced him to drink it, and then that he was smothered. So this is the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen. The wine glass disappeared. They could never find that wine glass, but prosecutors have a videotape filmed the following day of the crime scene, you know, and I guess it shows Sandy removing a wine glass from the kitchen (laughs) counter and dropping it into her handbag. (laughs) On the police station. Yes, and I was like, is this real? Because I only saw it in one article, and I couldn't find the video, and just like well then clearly and she did like she did that with her mouth as she took the she has like away. she has like a, a mask on <laughs> a black and white striped yeah. shirt it's all tiptoes plink 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 plink, plink, plink. plink. Um, yeah like honey wait until the camera's pointed elsewhere but also wouldn't videotape cop be like pardon me you're not allowed to do that <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Lots of questions on that. Okay. It might not be even real, but I had to include it because, okay. wow, I love it. It's a great visual. Just kind of like, boop. Also, like, smash immediately in your purse. You'd yeah. have to get, like, a very specific purse. Yeah. Um, but, but, okay. So, I guess a large amount of cash and jewelry were missing from the house. Uh, a $300,000 collection of rare coins and currency that Ted had kept in his den were gone. And two days after Ted Binion was found dead, sheriff's deputies found Rick Tabish, fucking Will Ferrell, and two other men unearthing the silver from the vault, like also with eye masks and fucking tiptoes. <laughs> they two days two later days. just hold on the vault for fucking six months. <laughs> um, he and uh, they were like, no, he told us to do it, but he was arrested and then he was bailed out by Sandy with a Mercedes Benz 500 SL convertible and five pieces of jewelry as collateral. Oh, that are probably worth more than 
something. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> the Binion estate hired a private uh, investigator because nobody believed that he had done it on purpose or even on accident. Um, and uh, so he turned up a trail of cellular phone conversations and secret meetings between Rick and Sandy as well as evidence that they had told people about the plot to kill Ted. So they were like blibbity blab and all over town. Oh, guys. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until about 10 months later in June of 1999 <laughs> when I turned 19 after <laughs> it was a special day. Just describe one outfit. <laughs> I did it. Um, I, I wore like uh, low rise like um, old man pants. Okay. That like went down to the hip or low with like one of those belts that has the buckle that you like, uh, you know, like a buckly belt. Yeah, yeah. Crop top. Okay. Real tiny, uh, just like super skinny. I wore a dog, a cat collar with rhinestones, barrettes. Very like... Um, Homeless? <laughs> <laughs> no, like emo girl. Wait, I've seen that picture. Is yeah. that that picture where you're, it's like from below and yeah. it's like really long? That's her. You looked pretty cool. Thank you. 99, I had stopped drinking and I was just mad all the time. <laughs> um... But then, duh, duh, 10 months, they, the coroner changes Ted's cause of death from suicide to homicide. Sandy and Rick are arrested and charged with murder and conspiracy to commit murder and or robbery. Uh, <laughs> the prosecution was purely circumstantial, relying heavily on the testimony of pathologist Michael M. Baden. He testified that two small red lesions on, the, on Ted's chest indicated, are you ready for this, that he had died as a result of burking. Do you know what burking oh, is? Oh, no. I did not need to know what this was. Uh, it's a technique in which one person obstructs the victim's nose and mouth while the other person sits on their chest to suffocate them. Well, my sister did that to me every day after school. What's it called when they dangle spit over your face <laughs> and you turn away and then it goes into your fucking ear? <laughs> Sorry, it's not about me. <laughs> But isn't it? Um, Burking owes its name to William Burke, who along with the partner used the method. The partner was like, why couldn't it be called fucking <laughs> Thomasing or whatever his last name was? <laughs> Smithing. Why didn't I get it? Yeah. Uh, they used the method to kill women in the 19th century Scotland so the corpses could be sold for dissection. Oh, Burke and Hare. Yeah. What? Yeah, You're yeah. You're so smart. Herring. That doesn't have the same ring. <laughs> I, I agree with them. I've heard those people of those people. Shit. Okay, so he, he's killed in a really kind of weird, like they think it's going to be, no one's going to catch on to it. That's what the prosecutors are saying. Yeah. Another key witness, attorney James Brown, um, oh. I know, testified that Binion called him the day before his death to change the terms of his will. He said that, quote, he said, quote, take Sandy out of the will if she doesn't kill me tonight. If I'm dead, you'll, you'll know what happened. Wow. Right. So clearly the jury found Murphy and Tabish, Sandy and uh, Rick, guilty of first degree murder and of conspiring to steal silver bullion. <laughs> Jesus. Conspiring? Um, conspiring. You know, they're oh. making it spicy. They were spicing well, up. You make a plan and you, while you're listening to the Spice Girls. Exactly. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Okay. So at 28 years old, Sandy was sentenced. 
to at least 22 years in prison on 12 counts. The judge said she had committed, quote, the ultimate betrayal. Which they should have called the made-for-TV movie that. That you're exactly right. The ultimate betrayal is an amazing title. Yeah, I'm sure it's taken. Um, <laughs> but you know what? So is sex and lies and in the, the, in the video something. <laughs> Wasn't Matthew Modine in that? Sex, lies, and videotape? Yeah. James Spader. James, thank you, thank James you. Spader. Gene um, <laughs> Shalit's here, everybody. Oh, shit. <laughs> Rick was sentenced to 25 years to life, but in 2003... So more than three years after her conviction, the Nevada Supreme Court ruled that the trial was unfair because Judge Bonaventure, cool name, had made two errors. First, he had included an unrelated charge in the trial. Okay, so the, basically Rick Tabish had tortured a businessman to get him to um, like work in his business, oh, which is fun. That's one and, way to do it. <laughs> and he allowed... So basically, they were tried together, but she was tried... He was being tried for other stuff at the same time, so they shouldn't have been tried together, is that what they were sense. arguing. And then also that our friend James Brown's statement um, about the will, they couldn't say that because the jury should have been considered as an offering insight into Binion's state of mind and not evidence as Sandy wanting him dead, something like that. It's not, yeah, him saying it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Right. So, um, so, and then the, as for the Birking testimony, several experts are called to testify that the marks on his chest were probably just dermatitis, oh. or even skin cancer, or even a burn from a cigarette, rather than buttons being pressed into the skin. Um, so then, on November 23rd, 2004, the jury acquitted Sandy and Rick of the murder. Wow. Rick stayed in prison um, on extortion charges until 2010, uh, where he remained looking like uh, our friend Will Farrell. And he's here tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. <laughs> so, so they're out. So Ted Binion hid millions in and around his Las Vegas home, all of which hid? went hid. He hid fucking money everywhere. Treasure. Treasure. <laughs> All of which went missing after his death. It's rumored to be buried on the property under odd mounds in the front and backyards. And that's it. That's the story of the murder of Ted Binion. Oh my God! There are so many things to love in that story. But... The fact that he went out having buried money is it makes me love him more than I've ever loved anyone <laughs> in my family. That's the best. Yeah. He's like, enjoy yourself for the next 50 yeah. years. Trying Have to fun. find my doubloons. Yeah. Have fun with it. Fucking love it. Yeah. Binions. Have fun with your murder. Binions. Um, All right. Do we have time for a... I think we do. Hometown? I think you're, it's still you. I think we should start 2018 fresh. Are you sure? Yeah. Too much pressure? Yeah, way too much pressure. Okay, well, we're going to just tell you a couple, and I know a lot of you know this already. It's yelling won't help. Um, <laughs> uh, here's a couple rules. You can't be so drunk that you can't tell your own story. <laughs> Buzzed is fine, but you have to be able to deliver. Um, it's good when it's local, as people want to hear about stuff that's happened Nevada. Here. It's my birthday. We don't care. <laughs> That your voice, I hope you're in the theater because your voice was clear as a bell. It was amazing. Um, what and also, are there any other rules? Uh, no. It's fucking 
Can we have the lights come up just a tiny bit, if that's possible? Karen's picking, so I have nothing to do with this. Blue in the blue shirt? Yes. Yeah. Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Vince. Thank you. That's good with the lights. Oh, my God. Look how big this room is. Hi. What? Right over here. It's crazy. Who is it? Where? That way. Uh, To Vince. Don't bring a bunch of fucking people. Just get up here. (laughs) Jesus. Do you see this? Come on. You guys. What did you see? I didn't see the person. She's over there. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, here we go. Oh. Oh, hi. Oh, there we go. Bah, Sorry, what's bah, your name? Bah. What's your Sarah. Name? Sarah and? Brenda. 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 <laughs> yes. So bad. Oh, she has oh to my God. Then go. <laughs> okay. Okay, what's your story? Oh, my God. Where are you from? We are from. Sorry. <laughs> we're from the state of Jefferson, if anyone knows where that is. Northern no. California. Oh, okay. In a small town called Wairika. Oh, yeah. Okay. And our hometown murder is none other than your favorite Jody Aries. Who? Jody. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit is right. Because she... We, we're from a kind of large family. We have four brothers, three of which have had sexual relations with... One or well, more no. of the no oh, two 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 of the Ariases. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So anyway, so I'll, I'll let you tell the story because you actually wrote the hometown. The email. The email. So okay, you you know more than I do. Fuck, I can't. I can. Yeah. I cannot believe this is happening right now. <laughs> this is so surreal. Okay. So stand up okay. and just appear. Tell really everybody bad. your name. Uh, my name is Brenda. And yes, I did write an email um, about Jody. Uh, okay. Um, our brother Buzz uh, dated Jody her, his sophomore year of high school. Uh, they were together less than a year. And um, if you watch the trial of Jody, Um, she talked about how she wanted Travis to come back to Wairika and they were going to go up to this area in Wairika called Greenhorn. Well, we lived right next to Greenhorn. And she actually did that shit with our brother. Wow. Uh, Yes. Like obsessive, like like Like, stalking and all that. Just teenage, just teenage. They were dating. They were teenagers. They would take a blanket, camera, go up. Oh, we're going to go hiking up on the trails up Greenhorn. They would go up there and do that. Do we do what specifically? Uh, <laughs> sexual it. stuff, probably fingering. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And? And? Uh-huh. I don't think my brother ever tied her up to a tree like she wanted Travis to do, but... So it was like, that was her pattern, was like doing that thing. Yeah, okay. And then after they broke up, she was still very much infatuated with our brother. Uh Uh-huh. She would go out of her way to see him, talk to him, whatever. Okay. Our brother Buzz is now married to her cousin. (laughs) They've been married for 10 years. They have four beautiful children together. (laughs) Yes. It's a small town. Small town. Go to younger brother. Okay. Meanwhile. Well, 
Oh, that's a later story. Sorry. Well, nah. Okay, <laughs> Tony. Tony is two years older than Buzz. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a dirtbag. Cool. And being a small town, um, he there there were several girls that both Buzz and Tony oh, slept with man. throughout high school. You know, and I think that was part of the reason, like Jody, connected with. Tony because she wanted to make Buzz jealous, that kind of thing. Bad, bad, <laughs> bad stuff. You know, after high school, after teenage years. 2008. 2008. Um, Jody moved away from Wairika. She was doing the whole, uh, she had met, actually she met Travis here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas in 2006. So it kind of comes full circle. Kind of. Um, <laughs> 2008, she's moving from Las Vegas, uh, you know, Mesa, Arizona. She's kind of going all over, but she always comes back to Wairika um, to see her family. And our brother Joel, he. He has, he's a tattoo artist. He has a tattoo shop right next to a restaurant that um, Jody's parents have there in Wairika. And uh, they become acquaintances, talk to each other. Uh, Jody's very drawn to Joel because of the history with our family and because he's, he's artistic. But Joel never screwed Jody, ever. I, I swear, I, he, he didn't. But <clears throat> she did start dating his roommate. And this was literally during the time where she was coming back and forth and... Um, Actually, the roommate was asked to testify or give a statement. All those pictures of Jody, where you know she's here in Wairika and da da da, like the roommate was on those. Oh God! Yeah, like that's that's how close it was. But anyway, so Jody, <laughs> and my other brother. <laughs> so Jody is dating. Will you get there? The roommate. Okay, Jody's dating the roommate. She comes to Wairika, the roommate, and Joel, and Jody go, they're hanging out. They're going out. They go to the one bar in Wairika. They go to the one bar in Wairika, and for some reason, Jody is very much gravitated towards our brother, and um, she was going to stay the night at their apartment that they shared, and um, Joel's like, oh, okay, are you going to stay, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, I have to go back to um, Arizona. I have to go to a funeral. Whoa. Before? Before. Yeah. Well, she says, I have to go back to a funeral because my really good friend, he was just murdered. Oh, my God. And, of course, Joel, he's like, whoa, wow, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, that's, that's horrible, like, you know. And she's like, yeah, he was brutally murdered. She gives graphic details of he was stabbed, they think it was somebody he knew, blah, blah, blah. I had to give DNA, like the, the police questioned me, like I just got back from being interrogated. And of course my brother, he's like, are you a suspect? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, this is just protocol. She, they're just, you know, uh, you know t- talking to everybody who, you know, close friends, blah, blah, blah. And um, 
my brother, he's, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm just so sorry, you know, no, no, no. And she's like, ah, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And, and, and so she starts dancing, and she's like, I want to, I want to sing karaoke. And he's like, okay. And so she gets up, Jody fucking Arias, <laughs> just about to go to her funeral for her good friend, Travis. And she gets up and she sings Patsy Cline, Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. That was amazing. Like, wow. Yeah. She fucking sings crazy. And my two weeks later, she was arrested in Wairica, California. <laughs> my good friend. She lives in that house. My sister-in-law is her cousin. It's fucking small town Wairica. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. That was sorry. That was not like Great job, great job. I know you hate that girl. That was amazing. <laughs> you guys hate Joe. You hate Joe. Yeah, Don't worry about it. She's a monster. <laughs> Just fucking, that was some high-level sister smack talking. Uh-huh. That was, you don't want to be the ex-girlfriend at that Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that was fun. This is this was fun. The first uh, show of our 2018 tour. We're so fucking lucky. Oh, my God. And you guys, we... It's such a, we love doing this so much, but the idea that we put tickets on sale and then they sell out so fast people get angry at us is the most exciting thing that's ever happened in our lives. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for getting the tickets, for waiting, for you know, spending lots of money and everything. We are so, so grateful that this podcast gets to bring us here yeah. with you guys. We love it. The live shows, the it's live so shows fun. are the most fun. So, so thanks for fun. being a part of it tonight, you guys. And thank you for screaming for the lo- the longest any audience has ever screamed for us at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas, <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada, stay sexy and don't get murdered. Thanks, you guys.